part three section twenty one of swan's way by marcel proust translated by c k scott moncrief eighteen eighty nine to nineteen thirty this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three swan in love section twenty one meanwhile the pianist having doubled his speed the emotion of the music lovers was reaching its climax a servant was handing refreshments about on a salver and was making the spoons rattle and as on every other party night madame de saint Hubert was making signs to him which he never saw to leave the room a recent bride who had been told that a young woman ought never to appear bored was smiling vigorously trying to catch her hostess's eye so as to flash a token of her gratitude for the others having thought of her in connection with so delightful an entertainment and yet although she remained more calm than madame de francteau it was not without some uneasiness that she followed the flying fingers what alarmed her being not the pianist's fate but the pianos on which a lighted candle jumping at each fortissimo threatened if not to set its shade on fire at least to spill wax upon the ebony at last she could contain herself no longer and running up the two steps of the platform on which the piano stood flung herself on the candle to adjust its sconce but scarcely had her hand come within reach of it when on a final chord the piece finished and the pianist rose to his feet nevertheless the bold initiative shown by this young woman and the moment of blushing confusion between her and the pianist which resulted from it produced an impression that was favourable on the whole did you see what that girl did just now princess asked general de froberville who had come up to madame de lorme as her hostess left her for a moment odd wasn't it is she one of the performers no she's a little madame de combremer replied the princess carelessly and then with more animation i am only repeating what i heard just now myself i haven't the faintest notion who said it it was someone behind me who said that they were neighbours of madame de saint Hubert in the country but i don't believe any one knows them really they must be country cousins by the way i don't know whether you're particularly well up in the brilliant society which we see before us because i've no idea who all these astonishing people can be what do you suppose they do with themselves when they're not at madame de saint Hubert's parties she must have ordered them in with the musicians and the chairs and the food universal providers you know you must admit they're rather splendid general but can't she really have the courage to hire the same supers every week it isn't possible oh but combremer is quite a good name old too protested the general i see no objection to its being old the princess answered dryly but whatever else it is it's not euphonious she went on isolating the word euphonious as though between inverted commas a little affectation to which the guermant set were addicted you think not eh she's a regular little peach though said the general whose eyes never strayed from madame de combremer don't you agree with me princess she thrusts herself forward too much i think in so young a woman that's not very nice for i don't suppose she's my generation replied madame de lome the last word being common it appeared to gallardon and guermant and then seeing that m de froberville was still gazing at madame de combremer she added half out of malice towards the lady half wishing to oblige the general not very nice for her husband i am sorry that i do not know her since she seems to attract you so much i might have introduced you to her said the princess who if she had known the young woman 
would most probably have done nothing of the sort and now i must say good-night because one of my friends is having a birthday party and i must go and wish her many happy returns she explained modestly and with truth reducing the fashionable gathering to which she was going to the simple proportions of a ceremony which would be boring in the extreme but at which she was obliged to be present and there would be something touching about her appearance besides i must pick up basine while i've been here he's gone to see those friends of his you know them too i'm sure who are called after a bridge oh yes the yenas it was a battle before it was a bridge princess it was a victory said the general i mean to say to an old soldier like me he went on wiping his monocle and replacing it as though he were laying a fresh dressing on the raw wound underneath while the princess instinctively looked away that empire nobility well of course it's not the same thing but after all taking it as it is it's very fine of its kind they were people who really did fight like heroes but i have the deepest respect for heroes the princess assented though with a faint trace of irony if i don't go with basine to see this princess de Yena, it isn't for that at all it's simply because i don't know them basine knows them he worships them oh no it's not what you think he's not in love with her i've nothing to set my face against besides what good has it ever done when i have set my face against them she queried sadly for the whole world knew that ever since the day upon which the prince de lhomme had married his fascinating cousin he had been consistently unfaithful to her anyhow it isn't that at all they're people he has known for ever so long they do him very well and that suits me down to the ground but i must tell you what he's told me about their house is quite enough can you imagine it all their furniture is empire but my dear princess that's only natural it belonged to their grandparents i don't quite say it didn't but that doesn't make it any less ugly i quite understand that people can't always have nice things but at least they needn't have things that are merely grotesque what do you say i can think of nothing more devastating more utterly smug than that hideous style cabinets covered all over with swans heads like bath taps but i believe all the same that they've got some lovely things why they must have that famous mosaic table on which the treaty of oh i don't deny they may have things that are interesting enough from the historic point of view but things like that can't ever be beautiful because they're simply horrible i've got things like that myself that came to bassin from the montesquieu's only they're up in the attics at guermont where nobody ever sees them but after all that's not the point i would fly to see them with bassin i would even go to see them among all their sphinxes and brasses if i knew them but i don't know them you know i was always taught when i was a little girl that it was not polite to call on people one didn't know she assumed a tone of childish gravity and so i am just doing what i was taught to do can't you see those good people with a totally strange woman bursting into their house why i might get a most hostile reception and she coquettishly enhanced the charm of the smile which the idea had brought to her lips by giving to her blue eyes which were fixed on the general a gentle dreamy expression my dear princess you know that they'd be simply wild with joy no why she inquired with the utmost vivacity either so as to seem unaware that it would be because she was one of the first ladies in france or so as to have the pleasure of hearing the general tell her so why how can you tell perhaps they would think it the most unpleasant thing that could possibly happen i know nothing about them but if they're anything like me i find it quite boring enough to see the people i do know i'm sure if i had to see people i didn't know as well even if they had fought like heroes 
i should go stark mad besides except when it's an old friend like you whom one knows quite apart from that i'm not sure that heroism takes one very far in society it's often quite boring enough to have to give a dinner-party but if one had to offer one's arm to spartacus to let him take one down really no it would never be vercingetorix i would send for to make a fourteenth i feel sure i should keep him for really big crushes and as i never give any ah princess it's easy to see you're not a guermant for nothing you have your share of it all right the wit of the guermant but people always talk about the wit of the guermant i could never make out why do you really know any others who have it she rallied him with a rippling flow of laughter her features concentrated yoked to the service of her animation her eyes sparkling blazing with a radiant sunshine of gaiety which could be kindled only by such speeches even if the princess had to make them herself as were in praise of her wit or of her beauty look there's swan talking to your cumbermere woman over there beside old st Hubert. don't you see him ask him to introduce you but hurry up he seems to be just going did you notice how dreadfully ill he's looking asked the general my precious charles ah he's coming at last i was beginning to think he didn't want to see me swann was extremely fond of the princesse de lome and the sight of her recalled to him guermant a property close to combray and all that country which he so dearly loved and had ceased to visit so as not to be separated from odette slipping into the manner half artistic half amorous with which he could always manage to amuse the princess a manner which came to him quite naturally whenever he dipped for a moment into the old social atmosphere and wishing also to express in words for his own satisfaction the longing that he felt for the country ah he exclaimed or rather intoned in such a way as to be audible at once to madame de st Hubert, to whom he spoke and to madame de lome for whom he was speaking behold our charming princess see she has come up on purpose from guermont to hear st francis preach to the birds and has only just had time like a dear little titmouse to go and pick a few little hips and haws and put them in her hair there are even some drops of dew upon them still a little of the hoar-frost which must be making the duchess down there shiver it is very pretty indeed my dear princess what the princess came up on purpose from guermont but well, that's too wonderful i never knew i'm quite bewildered madame de st Hubert protested with quaint simplicity being but little accustomed to swann's way of speaking and then examining the princess's headdress why you're quite right it is copied from what shall i say not chestnuts no oh it's a delightful idea but how can the princess have known what was going to be on my programme the musicians didn't tell me even swann who was accustomed when he was with a woman whom he had kept up the habit of addressing in terms of gallantry to pay her delicate compliments which most other people would not and need not understand did not condescend to explain to madame de st Hubert that he had been speaking metaphorically as for the princess she was in fits of laughter both because swann's wit was highly appreciated by her set and because she could never hear a compliment addressed to herself without finding it exquisitely subtle and irresistibly amusing indeed i'm delighted charles if my little hips and haws meet with your approval but tell me why did you bow to that combremere person are you also her neighbour in the country madame de st Hubert, seeing that the princess seemed quite happy talking to swann had drifted away but you are yourself princess i why they must have countries everywhere those creatures don't i wish i had no not the combremeres her own people 
she was a le grandin and used to come to cambrai i don't know whether you are aware that you are Comtesse de cambrai and that the chapter owes you a due i don't know what the chapter owes me but i do know that i'm touched for a hundred francs every year by the cure which is a due that i could very well do without but surely these cambremers have rather a startling name it ends just in time but it ends badly she said with a laugh it begins no better swan took the point yes that double abbreviation someone very angry and very proper who didn't dare to finish the first word but since he couldn't stop himself beginning the second he'd have done better to finish the first and be done with it we are indulging in the most refined form of humour my dear charles in the very best of taste but how tiresome it is that i never see you now she went on in a coaxing tone i do so love talking to you just imagine i could not make that idiot froberville see that there was anything funny about the name cambremer do agree that life is a dreadful business it's only when i see you that i stop feeling bored which was probably not true but swann and the princess had the same way of looking at the little things of life the effect if not the cause of which was a close analogy between their modes of expression and even of pronunciation this similarity was not striking because no two things could have been more unlike than their voices but if one took the trouble to imagine swann's utterances divested of the sonority that enwrapped them of the moustache from under which they emerged one found that they were the same phrases the same inflections that they had the tone of the guermant set on important matters swann and the princess had not an idea in common but since swann had become so melancholy and was always in that trembling condition which precedes a flood of tears he had the same need to speak about his grief that a murderer has to tell someone about his crime and when he heard the princess say that life was a dreadful business he felt as much comforted as if she had spoken to him of odette yes life is a dreadful business we must meet more often my dear friend what is so nice about you is that you are not cheerful we could spend a most pleasant evening together i'm sure we could why not come down to guermont my mother-in-law would be wild with joy it's supposed to be very ugly down there but i must say i find the neighbourhood not at all unattractive i have a horror of picturesque spots i know it well it's delightful replied swann it's almost too beautiful too much alive for me just at present it's a country to be happy in it's perhaps because i have lived there but things there speak to me so as soon as a breath of wind gets up and the cornfields begin to stir i feel that someone is going to appear suddenly that i am going to hear some news and those little houses by the water's edge i should be quite wretched oh my dearest charles do take care there's that appalling rampillon woman she's seen me hide me somewhere do tell me again quickly what it was that happened to her i get so mixed up she just married off her daughter or her lover i never can remember perhaps both to each other oh no i remember now she's been dropped by her prince pretend to be talking so that the poor old berenice shan't come and invite me to dinner anyhow i'm going listen my dearest charles now that i have seen you once in a blue moon won't you let me carry you off and take you to the princess de parmes who would be so pleased to see you you know and bassin too for that matter he's meeting me there if one didn't get news of you sometimes from meme remember i never see you at all now swann declined having told Monsieur de charlus that on leaving madame de st Hubert's he would go straight home he did not care to run the risk by going on now to the princess de parmes of missing a message 
which he had all the time been hoping to see brought into him by one of the footmen during the party and which he was perhaps going to find left with his own porter at home poor swan said madame de lone that night to her husband he is always charming but he does look so dreadfully unhappy you will see for yourself for he has promised to dine with us one of these days i do feel that it's really absurd that a man of his intelligence should let himself be made to suffer by a creature of that kind who isn't even interesting for they tell me she's an absolute idiot she concluded with the wisdom invariably shown by people who not being in love themselves feel that a clever man ought to be unhappy only about such persons as are worth his while which is rather like being astonished that any one should condescend to die of cholera at the bidding of so insignificant a creature as a common basilisk swan now wished to go home but just as he was making his escape general de froberville caught him and asked for an introduction to madame de combemere and he was obliged to go back into the room to look for her i say swan i'd rather be married to that little woman than killed by savages what do you say the words killed by savages pierced swan's aching heart and at once he felt the need of continuing the conversation ah he began some fine lives have been lost in that way there was you remember that explorer whose remains dumont d'urville brought back la perouse and he was at once happy again as though he had named odette he was a fine character and interests me very much does la perouse he ended sadly oh yes of course la perouse said the general it's quite a well-known name there's a street called that do you know anyone in the rue la perouse asked swann excitedly only madame de chanlivaux the sister of that good fellow chauspierre she gave a most amusing theatre party the other evening that's a house that will be really smart some day you'll see oh so she lives in the rue la perouse it's attractive i like that street it's so sombre indeed it isn't you can't have been in it for a long time it's not at all sombre now they're beginning to build all round there when swann did finally introduce m de froberville to the young madame de combremere since it was the first time that she had heard the general's name she hastily outlined upon her lips the smile of joy and surprise with which she would have greeted him if she had never in the whole of her life heard anything else for as she did not yet know all the friends of her new family whenever any one was presented to her she assumed that he must be one of them and thinking that she would show her tact by appearing to have heard such a lot about him since her marriage she would hold out her hand with an air of hesitation which was meant as a proof at once of the inculcated reserve which she had to overcome and of the spontaneous friendliness which successfully overcame it and so her parents-in-law whom she still regarded as the most eminent pair in france declared that she was an angel all the more that they preferred to appear in marrying her to their son to have yielded to the attraction rather of her natural charm than of her considerable fortune it's easy to see that you're a musician heart and soul madame said the general alluding to the incident of the candle end of part three section twenty one recording by expatriate in bangor maine